For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Thursday as we begin to close out yet another week in the hellscape known as Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I'm at Monica Crowley. Also by email, you can reach me at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, coming up in the days and weeks ahead on this show, we're going to talk to Jesse Kelly about communism in America. We're also going to talk to former CIA agent Mike Baker. Um, who's an incredible person with an unbelievable story. And we're going to get with him about the CIA, the security state, or intelligence services, because, man, do I have a story for you today about the CIA. We're going to talk to him about all of this. He's going to join us next week as well. And then in the weeks ahead, we're going to be joined by Anna Paulina Luna, who is fantastic, Matt Gates, Jack Posobiec, uh, you know me, Park, so many incredible people. Uh, we're getting lined up for you right here on the Monica Crowley podcast. So make sure you tell all of your friends, family, colleagues that they should be subscribing and listening to this show. You don't want to have FOMO, right? You have to tell all of your your people, all your peeps, that, hey, man, you do not want to have FOMO, fear of missing out on the Monica Crowley podcast because this podcast is where it's at. Okay, and you guys know it, but we got to spread the word. So thank you so much for that. All right, coming up later here today, Riley Gaines, 12-time All-American swimmer. She has exhibited more courage and wisdom at the ripe old age of, what, 20, 21, 22, uh, than most adults I know. God bless her for doing what she's doing. Uh, She had this basically foisted upon her when she tied with a dude for a national championship. In a national championship race, she tied with Will Thomas, also known as Leah Thomas. We prefer just to call him Thomas. And the impact has just been reverberating throughout not just her swimming career and life, but she has taken it upon herself to make sure those reverberations are made clear to the rest of America. We cannot go on like this. You cannot have dudes competing against girls and women and entering the ultimate safe space of a locker room. Riley Gaines is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. She's also launched a brand new center to take all of this on and to educate the American people about what's going on and give people, teachers, faculty, parents, students, the tools that they need to fight back against this madness. So the great Riley Gaines is coming up here in just a moment. But first, the Monica Memo. Frankly, guys, I'm not even sure where to start because there's so much coming at us, as always. But I mean, uh, more than usual this week. And, I, you know, we only have limited time on this podcast. So I'm trying to sift through and try to bring you really what's top of mind here. And there are a couple of, of stories that I want to bring you that I think really need amplification. Okay, so the first one is about the propaganda press and the Biden White House. But I repeat myself. It has been so long since we had a legitimate impeachment of legitimate corruption by a president that nobody really knows how to handle it, right? Because the two Trump impeachments were completely bogus. Everybody knows they were garbage impeachments, totally political. Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Everybody knows this. So while those impeachments are on Trump's historical record for the rest of his life and then beyond into history, everybody knows that they were pure BS. 
what we have now is an actual corrupt president who has actually committed crimes that we now have mountains of evidence to prove. The White House talking points have gone out to all of the Democrats uh, on Capitol Hill around the country, all of their pundits, their commentators, the propaganda press. Everybody has gotten the marching orders that this impeachment, should it go forward, against Joe Biden is illegitimate and without basis and, quote, without evidence. So that is the phrase that you are going to hear over and over again, and it is the ultimate gaslighting because there are mountains of evidence from Hunter's laptop, hundreds if not thousands of emails, text messages, bank records, suspicious activities reports, whistleblower under oath testimony, testimony of Ukrainians. I mean, the evidence is beyond belief. People get convicted on homicide charges with a lot less than this. But the White House is going out there saying no evidence, without evidence, and all of the propaganda press lackeys are just repeating it. They're all just trained seals, just lapping it up and clapping on cue. It's disgusting and corrupt, but this is where we are. So it's been so long since we've had a legit impeachment of an actual uh, corrupt president that the media is freaking out. The White House is freaking out. Um, they believe that they will be protected, and they're probably right in that assumption. They're probably right about that. But they're not leaving anything to chance. So the White House wrote a letter. And it's in the form of this lengthy memo. It was published yesterday. And in this lengthy memo slash letter, the letter is addressed basically to all of the propaganda press outlets, New York Times, Washington Post, Politico, you know, all of the usual suspects. And in this letter, the Biden White House is basically attacking the propaganda press and demanding that reporters turn away from asking about Biden's longstanding corruption and instead focus on, guess who? The Republicans. They do not want the propaganda press focused on the impeachment and the reams of evidence of corruption for decades of Joe Biden. Of course, they don't want any of the truth actually reported, so they want the press to continue to gaslight everybody. And since they're all one and the same, the Biden White House, Democrats, the left, uh, and the press, they're all one and the same. The faces are different, but they're the exact same people. And they certainly have the exact same agenda. So the Biden White House wants to make sure that this is locked down and that the people, the so-called journalists who are not journalists, uh, they're propagandists, that they will have their, their backs throughout all of this. So just to make sure, they sent this letter out. And here's part of what it had to say, quote, it's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies, they say. When even House Republican members are admitting that there's simply no evidence There is that phrase, no evidence, that Joe Biden did anything wrong, much less impeachable. That should set off alarm bells for news organizations. For years, Republicans in Congress have tried to muddy the waters by attracting media coverage of their allegations. And as they choose to move forward with impeachment, it is the responsibility It's the responsibility. The White House is telling the press what their responsibility is. Of the independent press, they write. I mean, you got to love the irony of that. The independent press. So they are literally putting in writing the marching orders for the propaganda press, but they're calling the propaganda press the independent press. Guys, we have not had a truly independent press, maybe ever, in the history of the Republic. You go back to the founding period of the founding fathers with the pamphlets and and things that were circulated, everybody had an agenda. That is human nature. To have an unbiased press, I don't think we've ever had that. 
So, uh, you know, we just expect the press to be fair. And again, I, I really don't think we've ever had that in the history of the country. But here they are talking about the press as independent. So it is the responsibility, they say, of the independent press to treat their claims with the appropriate scrutiny Covering impeachment as a process story, Republicans say X, but the White House says Y, is a disservice to the American public who relies on the independent press to hold those in power accountable. Well, only if they're Republicans, right? Because if they're Democrats, the press doesn't hold anybody in power accountable. We know that. In fact, the exact opposite. Not only do they not hold them accountable, they advance the agenda of the left and the Democrats. They're cheerleaders, man. This whole letter is absurd. It goes on. House Republican leaders should be held accountable for the fact that they are lurching toward impeachment over allegations that are not only unfounded, but in virtually all cases have been actively disproven. That is a flat-out lie. It continues, as you begin to cover the House GOP's impeachment push more intensely, enclosed you will find a 14-page appendix that comprehensively addresses the seven key lies House Republicans are suggesting they are basing an impeachment on. We hope this document helps provide you with factual information useful in your reporting on their unprecedented, unfounded claims underlying an impeachment inquiry without any evidence of wrongdoing. There it is again. No evidence, without evidence. So clearly they have settled on this as the messaging, which is pure gaslighting. Because, you know, guys, there's spin and then there's straight up lying. Every administration tries to spin bad news or a bad economic report. We're going to get to that in a second. They all try to spin. We understand that. But then there is straight up lying, which is what this administration does all day, every day. Straight up lies. When they say, when even House Republican members are admitting that there is no evidence, that is one guy, a representative, Ken Buck, who ought to be ashamed of himself, He's going, well, I'm not really for impeachment because I haven't seen any evidence. So Ken Buck is a useful idiot for the Biden White House and the left. And there is always, there are always a few. So expect a few more to come out like this. Useful idiots for the communists. I wonder what they have on Ken Buck. Got to be compromised somehow. Right? This is not a principled position on the part of Ken Buck. Let's just be very clear about that. So, guys, a couple of points about this. It's so cute that the Biden team thinks that they actually needed a letter to get the propaganda press to do what they want. Propaganda press has been doing what they want throughout. Every time there's a Democrat president, propaganda press takes their marching orders and does exactly as they are told. So it's pretty amusing that they think that they need a letter to go out to get them to do what they want. They were doing this all along. They're going to continue to do it. Why they put this in writing, I have no idea. They knew it was going to get out. And it's so revealing about the absolute disgusting relationship between the corrupt press and the corrupt Democrats, and this corrupt president. So the Democrats are going to try to delegitimize this. And, you know, the networks, all of the broadcast networks, CNN, MSNBC, they're going to just go out there. They'll either delegitimize it or ignore it or try to do both somehow. Um, But this is what they're going to do. They're going to have to circle the wagons. But there is a competing tension here in that, Democrats now are getting louder about wanting Joe Biden gone. Now, they don't want him impeached and removed from office because that's an historical horror, right, for their party and for Biden, for their guy. So they don't want it to go as far as that. But there are forces in the Democratic Party, powerful ones, who now want him gone. As I have been saying now for months, you guys heard it here first. In fact, I believe... I started to say this almost a year ago on this show, that the left's power brokers want Joe Biden gone. The useful idiot has outlived his usefulness. 
They want to bounce him. So watch what happens here because you have this tension of like not wanting the impeachment to go too far to removal. But on the left, you want the pressure to build on Biden so that he steps aside. Yesterday, David Ignatius, who is a top columnist at the Washington Post, David Ignatius is the security state's mouthpiece. Let's be very clear about this. David Ignatius is not an independent uh, columnist, opinion journalist. He is deeply, deeply plugged into the security state. All intelligence agencies, the CIA, the NSA, the DIA, they all call up Ignatius when they want something reported, when they want something leaked, when they want a fake story put out there, they call Ignatius. And he dutifully writes what the security state wants. Everybody sort of knows this in Washington. So yesterday, Ignatius wrote a column saying Joe Biden should step aside. That sent Washington into a tailspin because everybody knows if Ignatius's name, if Ignatius's name is attached to the article, this is coming directly from uh, the intel community, the security state. That's the message that they want to get across. They want Joe Biden gone. So watch this. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic happening because you will see that, yes, the top line will be, we want to protect Joe Biden. There's nothing here. There's no evidence. Uh, The Republicans are crazy. You're going to hear all of that. But the subtext, the undertow of this story is they want him gone, so they're going to allow it to go, to proceed uh, to a certain point to build pressure on Biden to go. I think it's relatively clear, guys, at this point that the deal was Biden would be a one-termer. This is uh, Obama's third term, as we say, but Obama and the entire Obama machine, including Michelle, they want a fourth and fifth and beyond terms so that the deal was you will serve one term and then we're going to get someone else in there um, to keep executing this radical communist agenda, globalist agenda. So uh, that's going to be the story. Now, as President Nixon once said to me, once you are president, you don't ever want to leave. So trying to get a candidate running for president to commit to only one term, very difficult to do. Because once you're in there and you're in the Oval behind that desk and on Air Force One with all of the perks and being the most powerful person in the world, you don't want to give it up unless you are forced to. They are trying to force Joe Biden's hand. And now I think it's pretty clear that he and Jill are resisting this. And so that's why there's added pressure. That's why you have Ignatius's column in the Washington Post. They are trying to surround him now with additional pressure to get him out. So it's going to be a very interesting fall and winter, and we'll see how the Republicans handle it, although I'm not entirely confident that uh, they're up to what needs to be done here, but that's a conversation for another day. Speaking of the security agencies, the security state, This story broke yesterday, and it is beyond belief. I don't know why I'm shocked anymore, knowing what we now know about what the deep state is capable of, but every time we get a headline like this, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The corruption is so much deeper than even we know. So the story broke yesterday about the CIA. The CIA has like a, a special section for Uh, scientific analysis, bioweapons analysis, and they had a team uh, that was analyzing the origins of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, because when the virus started spreading, obviously the uh, drop zone, the ground zero was Wuhan, China, and so the CIA then set its analysts off, I think it's a team of seven, to look at and analyze Uh, where the virus actually came from. Did it come from nature or was it created in a lab? Was it leaked? Was the leak intentional? Was it an accident? All of these questions, right? 
So the CIA, you know, had, when they produced their report, it was inconclusive. You'll remember Biden uh, put together like this commission to have all of the intel agencies do their own analysis on the origin, on the origins of SARS-CoV-2. And the CIA's report was basically inconclusive. Well, how did we get there? I mean, everybody and their mother knew that this virus did not come from nature. After a period of time, everybody was like, well, duh. Of course, it was created in a lab. And the question is, was it our labs? Was it DARPA, the Defense Department's research division, working with the University of North Carolina and Ralph uh, Barrick and uh, Peter Daszak over at Eco Health Alliance, uh, doing the research then in China? Do we create the software? Do we create the formula for the virus and then send it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and then they created the actual virus? Is that how that worked? Still, we don't have questions here, but I think most people kind of understand that that's the road we took? Well, now um, we have a senior level CIA officer who has come forward as a whistleblower. And he is now told, or she, we don't know, has now told House committee leaders that the CIA, that group of scientific analysts who found that SARS-CoV-2 likely originated in a Wuhan lab, and they were offered big money, apparently, to change their position and say that the virus originated in nature and jumped from animals to humans. So this whistleblower, very brave, came forward with this information, came forward to this House committee, And then the House Committee has now sent a letter to the CIA Director, William Burns. This is the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. The chairman is Brad Winstrup. And the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, that chairman is Congressman Mike Turner. They have now requested that the CIA turn over all documents, communications, and pay information from the CIA's COVID discovery team, by September 26. Here's what they write, quote, according to the whistleblower, at the end of its review, six of the seven members of the team believed the intelligence and science were sufficient to make a low confidence assessment that COVID-19 originated from a lab in Wuhan, China. According to this whistleblower, the CIA offered to pay off analysts to bury their findings that COVID most likely came from a lab in Wuhan. The seventh member of the team, who also happened to be the most senior, was the lone officer to believe COVID-19 originated uh, through animals and then transferred into humans. They continue in the letter. The whistleblower further contends that to come to the eventual public determination of uncertainty, the other six members were given a significant monetary incentive to change their position, noting that the analysts were, quote, experienced officers with significant scientific expertise. This House committee has also asked for documents and communications between the CIA and other federal agencies, including the State Department, FBI, Department of Health and Human Services, and the Energy Department. Guys, one of the negative aspects of being in this uh, information superhighway is that stories that should stop you dead in your tracks like this one are like one-day stories. I want you to absorb this. The CIA, which is supposed to protect America and America's citizens from foreign threats with very clear, honest intelligence assessments, is offering to buy off, if this whistleblower is correct, buy off its own people to change their honest intelligence assessments. On the globe-changing history-making COVID-19 pandemic. This isn't some small little intel thing where some like mission in Rwanda went bad. This is the global pandemic that shut down the global economy and changed the course of history. And the CIA is offering big money to bribe its own analysts to change their assessment. 
A lot of driving going on in Washington, D.C. A lot of people getting rich. I'm not saying these analysts took it. I I have no idea what happened here. But man, Washington, D.C. running on a lot of bribes. And you know what? The Constitution only identifies two specific crimes for impeachment. Bribery, because they knew that that was just the hallmark of corruption. Bribery and treason, turning your back on your country. So bribery is geared toward enriching yourself at the cost of the American people and your country. Treason is turning your back on your country, selling it out to a foreign power. And in the case of the the alleged Biden bribes, guess what? Looks like both. So he's heading toward impeachment. But when you have a top secret agency like the CIA where this stuff is going on, I mean, this is just what we know about according to this whistleblower. We'll find out if it's true, hopefully at some point. But how much more of this is going on? It's got to be rampant. Which means our entire system is beyond redemption, in my view. I think, you know, we get President Trump in there. The, the system essentially needs to be raised to the ground. I think it's irredeemable. I don't think, I don't think these agencies like the FBI or the CIA can be reformed. We need agencies to do this work of protecting the American people and prosecuting the bad guys and ferreting out terrorists and, and terrorist regimes and, and the bad guys around the world. But we cannot go on with having these agencies as deeply corrupt as they are and turning their fearsome firepower against us, the American people. I mean, that is straight up totally illegal. But this kind of corruption... We can't go on like this. One final quick story for you here before we turn to Riley Gaines. Um, We got the inflation number yesterday. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rose to 3.7% higher than expected. Um, They're tagging a lot of that to gas prices, which are really high again. Have you noticed? Have you tried to fill up your car, your minivan, your SUV? Yeah, yeah. I just paid $4.50 on Long Island in New York uh, per gallon. I had a $25 gift card, guys. I went inside. I gave the woman uh, my gift card. I said, $25 gift card on pump four, please. She said, no problem. So I go to the car, and I put the nozzle in the car, and it was like 60 seconds before it hit $25, So gas prices are squeezing everybody. And because energy is built into the price of everything we consume, from a French fry to a T-shirt to whatever, um, prices across the board, inflation is going up. So inflation is now accelerating. Bidenomics, the, the inflation nightmare created by Bidenomics and massive government spending and the printing press constantly on from the Fed, has created this massive inflationary environment. Democrats spent way too much. And look, over the years, Republicans have spent way too much too. Um, and then COVID hit and we had to spend because it was an actual emergency. But the Biden administration came in and spent at emergency levels without the emergency. Okay. So now inflation, everybody thought, oh, it's, it's starting to get tamed a bit because the Fed has raised rates uh, so significantly, highest in, what, 20 years, uh, that it's starting to, to uh, cool down the labor market. It's starting to rein in inflation. Well, yesterday, CPI, not so much. Not so much. We have relentless inflation, sky-high prices, sky-high gas prices, once again, record consumer debt. The U.S. is being downgraded, soaring debt, soaring deficits, and probably back on the table, a recession. A recession. We shall see about that. But now you're getting new polling showing that the American people trust Donald Trump to turn around the economy far more than Joe Biden by like 10%, something like that. And next year's election... I mean, look, there's a lot of things we have to worry about with the next year's election, but just topically, it is going to be run on the economy. 
And right now it does not look good for Joe Biden because he and his team, the Democrats, have deliberately driven this economy into the ground. Okay, before we hit a break here, um, because on the other side, we're going to talk to Riley Gaines about dudes competing against girls and women in sports, the fundamental unfairness of that, the human cost of that, the cultural Marxism of all of that. Um, before we hit that break and then turn to Riley, I want to play this clip from Serena Williams. Just a few years ago, she was on a late night talk show and she made these comments. I want you to listen closely because you can't really get away with saying this anymore. And it's that the absolute truth about the biological differences between men and women, total common sense, factually correct. But now we're in this clown world where everything is inverted and you're not allowed to say it. But I want you to listen to Serena Williams here from just a couple of of, uh, years ago, because, you know, she's largely been quiet on this question. There are others like Martina Navratilova, who has said, uh, look, I do not believe that men or boys should be competing against women. It is grossly unfair and should not be allowed to happen. On the flip side, you have other legends like Billie Jean King saying, yeah, I'm all for it. So you see how it is split and the fear, especially among young athletes, the fear is that they will be canceled. These young girls, these young women will be canceled if they make their concerns and their worries known publicly whether it's to their coaches, teachers, uh, fellow athletes, that they will be canceled, their lives will be ruined, they'll be thrown off the team, whatever it might be. But I want you, as we go out here, before we hit this break, to set up our conversation with Riley. I want you to listen closely to what Serena Williams had to say. Actually, it's funny because Andy Murray, he oh, he was been joking about um, myself and him playing a match. And I'm like, Andy, seriously, like, are you kidding me? Because for me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Because it's, no, no, it's it, true. It's honestly, true. It's a completely... Really? It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit hard. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, I've been truly excited about this conversation for quite some time. Every once in a while, an unlikely hero or heroine emerges seemingly out of nowhere to pick up a banner of justice and carry it into battle. In America today, we are facing a multi-front war against straight-up communists whose tentacles stretch into every nook and cranny of American society and life, including now, maybe most loudly, in the gender madness that we see all around us. This is not just some leftist societal fad, right? Like the hula hoop or bell bottoms or beanie babies. The gender madness and the trans hysteria are something much more dangerous, Well, a true heroine who has stood up against all of this at great personal sacrifice and risk is Riley Gaines. 
Riley is a 12-time All-American swimmer who has directly suffered the consequences of males competing against females and has stood up and said, no more. Last month, she launched the Riley Gaines Center at the Leadership Institute, which you can find on the web at RileyGainesCenter.org. Please go check it out. She's just launched this, and they're already doing incredible work. Riley joins us now. And Riley, I have to say, I have been so excited to talk to you. So welcome. Well, that was just about the kindest intro. Um, so thank you so very much. And I'm, I'm super excited to be on. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And I know, you know, when I was talking to a lot of my friends and other people that I was going to have you on the show, so many people, women, girls, but also men and boys who cherish fairness in sports and in life, uh, they all wanted me to thank you and pass along their gratitude for what you're doing. You must hear that a lot. You know what? I certainly do, which I think going into this, when I really took this leap of faith of taking a public stance against all of this, and I say leap of faith because we were told by our universities, and of course, what you see in the media, we were told that you will immediately be canceled and, and you will lose out on opportunities and you'll, you'll never get a job. This will follow you forever. You'll be labeled a transphobe, all of these different things. I was, I think, understandably pretty terrified of what the consequences would be. But I have had an overwhelming amount of support of people who are grateful for my voice. Um, so I pretty quickly, after I, I took this public stance, I, I pretty quickly realized and was reassured that I was doing the right thing. Because for so long, I felt like I was the crazy one. I felt like I was the one who was, you know, was there something I was missing? Why aren't, why aren't men defending us? Why aren't, you know, coaches saying something? Where are the feminists? You know, all, all of those questions we seem to still be asking ourselves. I felt like I was the crazy one. And so now, you know, whether it's publicly or privately, you know, whispers as you're passing by someone, um, the amount of support is tenfold anything negative. I love to hear that, although I, I am bothered by the whispering part. And, I, you know, I've experienced it as a conservative my whole life and certainly as a, a very early supporter of President Trump. Uh, you know, people would, would come up to me and be like, oh, I'm for President Trump, too. And I'm like, why are you whispering? And that's part of the problem. Like when people come up to you to thank you, I'm glad they're expressing gratitude for your courage, Riley. But it's time to stop whispering and start getting loud as you have been. So I do want to get into a lot of the things that you just raised there, including the feminist and and the rest of this. But I do want to start with your personal story. So you're an elite athlete. You are a superstar swimmer. You are a champion. Until one day in 2022, the NCAA, Collegiate Swimming's governing body, made a decision. What happened? So about three weeks before our national championships, which just as you said, it's the fastest meet in the entire world. Um, It's the meet we work our entire lives for. About three weeks before this national championships, the NCAA announced that Thomas, which um, now goes by the name Leah, was formerly Will Thomas, swam three years on the men's team at University of Pennsylvania. Um, ranking 462nd at best when competing against the men. Um, They announced that Thomas, who had, again, recently transitioned to the women's team, um, he would be allowed to participate in the women's category. And it was a non-negotiable. That was the the verbiage they used. There was nothing we could do about it. And so I watched on the side of the pool that first day as Thomas, to no one's surprise, swam to a national title. Um, which would, of course, mean becoming the fastest in the country. Uh, first male to win a Division I NCAA females title um, by body lengths, right? Beating out Olympians, beating out American record holders, the most impressive female swimmers this world has ever seen by, by again, body lengths. And that next day of competition was 200 freestyle, which is the day that Thomas and I raced. Keep in mind, Thomas is a whopping six foot four, me at a, a mere 
Um, we dive in the water. We race eight laps of freestyle back and forth and back and forth. We touched the wall. And almost impossibly enough, we had tied, meaning we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second, which is pretty rare, you know, when you're racing for a minute and 40 seconds and not even one one hundredth separated us. But what really thrusted me over the edge, um, we get out of the water, we go behind the awards podium where the NCAA official looks at both Thomas and myself and he says, great job, you two. But you tied. Um, and we only have one trophy. So we're going to give this trophy to Leah. Uh, sorry, Riley, but you go home empty handed. And there was there's a lot of feelings. Right. Of course, my adrenaline was still high. My heart rate was still high. There was feelings of confusion. There were feelings of, of frustration. But I, th- I think the best way to describe how I felt was betrayed. And I asked the question that no one dared ask all season. And I said, why? Why are you adamant on giving the trophy in the women's 200 freestyle to a man? And he didn't know what to say. Riley, when the NCAA made their decision to allow Thomas to swim in these competitions, did you anticipate at the time that this might happen or were you just sort of blindly going in like, oh, this could be bad, but we'll, we'll see. Or, you know, well, I guess this is where society is right now. So we just have to do it. Did you have any sense of what was to come in this competition that you just described? Of course, we knew what was happening all season was wrong. We knew the unfair competition was wrong. My coaches, my teammates, my family, my competitors, we, I mean, anyone with any amount of brain activity, would see this and know it was wrong, but mm-hmm. we felt like there was nothing we could do. Um, speaking for myself, me being 21 years old at the time, how could I combat the NCAA who claimed that they made every decision with the, the consideration of science and, and all of these other things? Well, what was I meant to do? And we didn't, we didn't know the answer. Um, and so it was, as I mentioned, there was a lot of feelings, feelings of anger and confusion um, but it almost admittedly, there were feelings of kind of intriguement. This is something our sport had never seen before. Um, there was a lot of reporters on the ground. You know, we had questions that we wanted answers to, legitimate questions. You know, what is the locker room going to look like? What is um, the competition going to look like? Will Thomas back off? Will Will it be obvious? You know, there was just a lot of questions. But I think after that first day where we watched Thomas again, swim to a national title. Um, I, I think those feelings of intriguement and curiosity, they shifted into feelings of heartbreak. Understandably. I mean, this is absolute insanity and everything in this society has been inverted. And this is exhibit A. So you guys who have trained your entire lives to be these elite swimmers, uh, winning across the board, all of a sudden this man, this dude, six foot four, um, strolls into your competitions and suddenly you and your female colleagues, uh, fellow competitors begin losing races, rankings, titles, and scholarships to a guy. So the consequences here of this social experiment are very real and very uh, severe, and there's a real human cost to this. So what do you say to people who say, well, you know, sorry about that, Riley, you know, that you worked your whole life for this, but we also have to take care of this person who is going through this transition, and we have to be compassionate for him slash her. What do you say to them? What I say to that is, and I hear it all the time, uh, where I'm traveling state to state and testifying on behalf of the bills and different things, I constantly hear that. I, I hear, you know, what message are we sending to our trans, our trans individuals, our trans youth? And my my response to that is, what message are you sending to girls and women? And I can tell you what message they're sending because I heard it and saw it loud and clear. And the message they're sending from the top down, from the Biden administration, don't even get me started on the press secretary, all the way down. They're telling us that we don't matter, mm-hmm. that our feelings, our privacy, our safety, our equal opportunity, our dignity, that doesn't matter to them. 
what matters to them is protecting the identity and the feelings of a male, even if it means we become collateral damage in the process, which we have. And these are people who pride themselves on championing women and fighting for our sex-based rights and protections. Um, That could not be further from the truth. And again, I've seen it time and time and time again. Um, Even just yesterday, Planned Parenthood, um, who, of course, has been extremely supportive of Thomas and the transition and taking our opportunities and into our locker room. They had released a statement um, and it says, remember, consent is freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic and specific. So is that them acknowledging that we were sexually assaulted when Thomas entered our locker room? Because make no mistake, we did not consent to undressing in front of a naked and fully intact male. Um, so I just think the irony and the hypocrisy and the double standard and really this juxtapos- juxtaposition that we're seeing across corporate America, um, the media, academia, even in churches, all of these places where we're seeing this happen, it, it's almost, it would be comical if real people weren't being hurt in the process. Yes, um, but they are. Yes. And yeah, I mean, you have been so courageous in standing up and speaking out about this, but I want everybody to understand that the fundamental unfairness of this, the, the fundamental madness of what Riley is describing here in her own personal experience, but now it's happening across the board to so many girls and women in sports that this is truly evil. And I want to pick up on one point that you made, uh, Riley, because I want everybody to get this straight. The left, which has been pushing this ridiculous concept of safe spaces, is all for the ultimate unsafe space, a woman's locker room, a place where women are naked and vulnerable with a dude in it. That they're okay with. Do we make any sense of that at all? No, we don't. I mean, it it just, and that's why I laugh. It's like a Babylon Bee headline, but it's real (laughs) life. Um, And that's how you know we're living in the twilight zone. When you read a real headline, um, which I want to read this headline to you from, from that I saw yesterday and my, my brain just hurt reading it. And again, I was like, is this like the onion or is this real? But it was real. It says trans woman is cleared of flashing her penis at three women using Ohio YMCA after judge ruled. She's too fat for her genital, her genitals to be visible. I can't even, it, I it, mean, it's like every headline. Uh, it's just news, unbelievable. It just makes you, it's Pull a, your hair out. It's oh my just God. unbelievable. Her penis, first of all, is insane. <laughs> and then second, she's too fat, so nobody will see the penis. It, it's just, it, we are in... We are in upside down land, Alice in Wonderland's inverted rabbit hole situation. You know, the other thing that the left has said for decades, Riley, is that it does champion women's rights. Uh, all waves of the feminist movement um, have supported the, this overall concept. And yet they're cool with women being erased. Why do you think that is? It's this. Uh, well, I have a lot of reasons as to why I think this is. Um, and I'll start by saying, first and foremost, as a Christian, I entirely see this as spiritual warfare. Yes. Um, the Bible tells us we will live in a time where our no's are yeses and our yeses are no's. Yeah. I'm fully convinced we are in that now. Um, but the beautiful piece of it is we know who wins. Um, and that's really what motivates me to keep going. So, so I believe that's a piece. Secondly, people are terrified of, and I'll use the words they use of being on the wrong side of history, right? Of course, what happened um, with slavery, of course, that's an, an, an awful thing. And I think, of course, majority of Americans, the overwhelming majority can admit that. Um, I think people saw, you know, how, how the gay rights movement, how these people had to fight to get married, different things. Um, people are terrified of being an oppressor. They're Therefore, they would rather virtue signal. They would rather be seen as kind and inclusive and tolerant and accepting and all of these different things. Um, But let me be the first to say it is not kind to ask a young girl to give up consent in areas of undressing. That's not kind and it's not inclusive. 
to ask women to smile and step aside and allow these men onto our podiums, taking our scholarships, our roster spots, our opportunities. That's not inclusive. That's exclusive to the very female athletes who Title IX, the beautiful 37-word federal civil rights law, that's exclusive to the very female athletes Title IX was passed to protect. So they have a very skewed perception of what these these virtues really are. And of course, who wouldn't want to be seen as kind and compassionate and all of those different words. But I, myself, I constantly refer back to the term true love and what that means. And those words are synonymous, truth and love. It is loving to say the truth, to deceive and to manipulate and to affirm delusions. Who does that sound like? It sounds like God's opposition. That's how he moves is through deceit Mm -hmm. and through manipulation. Um, That's not kind. That's not what kind is. And so I think as a society, we need to to have a better understanding of what's really happening and what's really at stake, because it's a lot bigger than just women's sports. It's it's ultimately about denying objective truth. And just as you mentioned in the introduction, that's communism. There's a lot of pieces to it, right? The denying of truth, the silencing, even the changing of the language that we use, the breakdown of faith and the breakdown of family and the breakdown of our freedoms, such as the freedom of speech, not to mention other pieces that that aren't necessarily directly tied with this issue, but the taking of the guns and the the mandatory vaccines and all those different things. It's textbook Marxism. And that's why this is scary. It's not about the stupid trophy that I didn't get to hold on the podium. It's not about the tangible object of the trophy. It's about the bigger picture and what this really means if you take a step back and see it for what it is. You are so wise. You're wise beyond your years, Riley, which I do believe God selected you. I think God put you in this position uh, for a reason and gave you the swimming platform so that you would have a national platform to speak out on these issues. I'm so glad you talked about it as a spiritual battle. We talk about it on this show all the time. We are unafraid to use those terms and good versus evil. And you're exactly right about the scripture that says there will come a time when the wicked is called good and the good is called wicked. And we are certainly in that position. But I do believe God gave you the athletic ability, gave you the platform so that you would uh, speak out. And also he gave you the courage uh, and the faith to uh, come forward and to take a stand against all of this evil. In our remaining moments here with you, uh, Riley, I'm curious about three groups, and I just want to hit them fast, and you can address them all at the same time. As all of this evil is unfolding in collegiate sports against women and girls, you've got uh, college faculty, administrators, and coaches. You've got parents, and I know at the college level, we are adults. You're 18, you go into college, you're technically an adult, but you're still in sort of that gray zone between dependence on family and independence. And also, you've got your fellow uh, female athletes. And I see some like Megan Rapino, who's done with her career, and she's all for dudes playing with women and girls. But then you've got others like Martina Navratilova, who say, no way, we want to protect girls um, and women in, in sports. So those three groups, just very briefly, can you talk about the kind of support that you've gotten from each and how we can inspire them to stand up as you have? Certainly. Um, I'll start kind of with the other athletes. From my experience being on that pool deck, we all felt the same way that I'm speaking. Um, Again, people are just terrified to say it for a variety of different reasons, whether that's internal pressure put on ourselves, um, whether that's the emotional blackmail that we faced from our universities, um, which is nothing short of criminal, let me add. The way they gaslit us into silence, it was effective, to say the least. Um, But they feel the exact same way I do, and I, I hope by using my platform, and I, what I'm seeing is, is this is certainly true, um, I'm inspiring more people to take a stand. Um, coaches and faculty, it's the same thing. Um, do you know how many coaches message me daily 
telling me to keep going, telling me, thank you for doing what you're doing. But, you know, I'm scared because I don't want a lawsuit. Uh, I, I don't want to lose my job. You know, who's going to defend the girls if I do? It's a catch-22. Um, and the feminist, this question. Um, we've seen this group go three ways, right? One of which, which is, seems to be the smallest percentage of this group, has stuck to their original intent and are defending and recognizing and, and celebrating women on our own physical uniqueness. Um, secondly, we're seeing them remain totally silent, which seems to be the largest portion, um, to totally not address these issues that are affecting women. Um, and third, which this includes the likes of Megan Rapino, even someone as, as influential and really crucial to, to women's sports and the development of women's sports as Billie Jean King, mm -hmm. who played in the Battle of the Sexes. And we, we really have Billie Jean King to accredit Title IX to. She's now actively fighting for male inclusion in women's sports and women's spaces, um, which, again, just makes you beat your head against a table. How can she undermine? How can these women, these groups undermine everything they once fought for? Because that's what they're doing. They're totally dismantling the entire original intent of first wave feminism and what that what that was supposed to be protecting and upholding. Um, so that's kind of the direction of all of these things. But again, I'm hoping that by using my platform, um, I can just be inspiring and, and to men, to women, um, to people even within the LGBTQ community themselves who know this is wrong. Um, this is really uniquely people think this is a is a divisive issue it's a unifying issue um and so i just hope i can use my platform for that purpose well you certainly are and we do have to let you go um one final question for you the ncaa did reverse on thomas competing so i want to get your read on that um but also you're taking your advocacy riley for fairness for women and girls to the next level you've just established as i mentioned at the top the riley Gaines center at the leadership institute in virginia can you tell us about that as well NCAA actually has not reversed it's FINA and the international governing body of swimming that has the NCAA has remained totally spineless mm. um, and, and cowardice. Um, they have failed miserably. Um, but FINA, again, the international governing body of swimming has, which is a bold first step in the right direction. Um, I'll be the first to say their policy is by no means perfect, but it is prioritizing fairness over inclusion, which we need to see more governing bodies do. Um, what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> the Riley Center. Yes. Yes. Um, really exciting stuff. Um, again, I, and I think this is something everyone should be able to agree on is that we need more leaders. And so that's what the Riley Gaines Center, um, was created to do. It's a training program where we are going to be, um, equipping people with the correct resources and effective communication tools. Um, and different things to inspire people to be willing to take a stand, whether that's in your community, whether that's at the national level, whether that's the school board, campus, on your team, whatever that looks like, we need more leaders. Well, the Riley Gaines Center will equip and empower every American to fight back against this madness. So good for you, because a lot of people talk but don't act. You're putting your money where your mouth is, Riley, and everybody who cares about fundamental fairness thanks you. For more information about Riley and the work of the center, please visit them on the web at Riley's, uh, org and support that center however you can. Riley, thank you so much. Keep going and God bless you. Amazing. Thank you very much. All right. What a show today, right? Unbelievable. Just chock full of great information for you. Some fun too. And also a lot of saving America on this show as we do with every show. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate that. And thank you for checking out our great sponsors. Have a terrific end to your week. And I will see you right back here next week with, we're going to start with Jesse Kelly on communism in America and how we fight back. Very important conversation that will be here next week. I will see you then. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bahakel Entertainment, LLC.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.